Amen. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate that. And good morning. So I appreciate you guys being with us today and uh, spending your, your Sunday morning uh, still here at Lakeland Vineyard. And uh, as Andy said, my name's Sean Stewart. Super excited to be here today and to, to do something different. And for those of y'all that know me, uh, I feel like I do different stuff all the time. I embrace the different. Uh, I love doing things that, are, that go beyond our sense of comfort and our sense of normal because I feel like that's where God calls us. I feel like, like he brings us into this place where we have to break out of our comfort zone uh, because it's in those places that we really experience greater steps of faith. And so today is not going to be any different than that. And so I am super excited to be here and I'm going to embrace this newness today and we're going to do something a little bit different even during this message. So before I even get going, I need you to get a piece of paper and a pen. Because um, this is going to be a semi-interactive uh, message where there's a little bit of, it's not work, but, but a little bit of writing for you guys to do. And you're going to thank me for it, I promise you, because today I'm going to take away your fear. And uh, so anyone who out, out there is you know, struggling with fear or, or even just uneasiness, uh, today is for you. And so I encourage you to get that piece of paper and a pen. And while you're getting that, I'm going to give a little bit of, a little bit of background. Um, so back in 2004, which seems like an eternity ago, um, we started a business. Um, you know, my wife and I, we, we moved our family back to Richmond, Virginia, and, and opened a business. And man, it was an exciting time. Um, but I remember that first day uh, in business. It was a big day because I feel like we had spent months and months just preparing for it. And, you know, getting all the stuff together, and, and uh, it, it was a dream that I had that, man, I was so excited to actually get it going. But I was also really nervous about it because it was a huge responsibility. And I found myself asking questions like, well, what if nobody comes, right? What if we don't make any money? What if, what if somebody gets sick? What if somebody gets hurt? What if, you know, my employees quit? And I kept myself up with these questions, uh, contemplating the what-ifs. And then, um, ultimately, in 2008, 2009, the economy tanked, and really all of my what-if questions were answered. Uh, but that led to some new what-ifs, and those, those questions kept me up at night as well. And, and so it got me thinking, well, do you guys ask these types of questions as well? Do you ask the what-if questions of yourself in your own life? And, and I, I think at times uh, we find ourselves feeling fearful about the future, especially as we, you know, when we look at the current events, you know, or you look at current events that are happening to other people that you may know. And uh, I have an old friend of mine from Lexington, Kentucky, um, who runs Wade's Corner Barbershop. And Wade's a cool guy and just has a small business there in Wilmore, Kentucky, and has been mandated, you know, governmentally uh, because of the coronavirus to close down for a period of time. Um, and that's scary. From a, I can tell you from a small business standpoint, that's a scary um, kind of situation. And then we have very dear friends of ours um, who have an 18-year-old son who's battling cancer and going through surgeries right now to, uh, to try to get rid of this disease. And uh, again, another very scary situation. And, and then, you, you know, when God forbid, you, you actually look on social media and see a post about COVID-19, and man, it's just, you know, it, it's fearful, you know, when you look at the, the numbers and so forth, you know, the, the death tolls and whatnot, and it's serious, and it's something that we need to pay attention to, but, but it's those kind of stories that start to, 
increase the level of fear and anxiety that we have uh, in our own minds. And because what we're doing is we're seeing what's happening to other people and their situations make and stop us think about our own. And we look at our own mortality, our own health, or our own financial stability, our own marriage, or job situation, or whatever it is that uh, is, is you know, causing you to ask these what-if questions. And I'm not talking, hear, hear me, I'm not talking about heart-stopping, like, panic, but rather it's just a feeling of dread or uneasiness as we, we think about our own future and we wonder, well, well, what if the worst happens? And it's this what-if question that has a way of unsettling us, of destroying our peace and leaving us feeling insecure because what if is a, uh, it's a fear-inducing question. And the default response to this question is apprehension or anxiety or worry. And it's these emotions that prevent us from moving forward uh, to where God has called us to go. Right? It, it, it keeps us, our, it's like our, it, we're planting our feet in concrete is what it feels like. And it paralyzes us and prevents us from moving forward in confidence in the tough times, but even in the good times. You know, I, I think about what we do, uh, you know, what I do in my life and, and what we do as Christians and encourage others to move forward in their God-given calling. And, and that's a great thing. You think, man, like, I'm excited to do that. But even there, we struggle with what ifs. Because we, you know, we think, well, well, what if God really calls me to go somewhere, like to Africa or in missions or even just to go across the street and pray for somebody? Right? I mean, sometimes those things make us a little bit nervous when we, when we think about that and we get a little bit ap- apprehensive. And, and so we close our ears and we stick our feet in concrete. But then we go to church, right? And we hear this awesome message and we get fired up about being uh, disciples. We're going to lose our lives, take up our cross, follow Jesus. And we say, yes, I'm in. And then we start to ponder that decision and wonder, well, well what if I do that and I lose my job? Or what if I do that and I lose my wife or I lose my friends? And so again, that what if prevents us from moving forward with confidence. Or maybe we get so inspired by this sermon, we, you know, like Peter, we, we say, you know what, Jesus, I will never deny you. I would die for you. And then we start thinking, well, well what if I tell God that I really am all in? And he says, okay, well, let's see. And then he tests me like he tested Job. You know what happens, right? We get freaked out because we have a Job complex and we think, man, what if I lose my children or my livelihood or, you know, whatever it is? Because nobody wants that to happen to them. So again, we put our feet in concrete and we don't move. But then we get to that place where we cast all caution to the wind and we boldly say, you know what? I'm going. I'm in. And I will stand. And then we look at the lives of the disciples and we look at how they died. And we begin to wonder, well, what if I follow the Lord like Peter and I get crucified upside down like he did? Or what if I love the Lord like John, and then I get tortured and exiled? All right? Or what if I speak the truth of the Lord like Stephen did, and I get martyred? Or what if I serve the Lord like Paul did, but I get beheaded? All right? What happens to most Christians when they think about these things is that they put their feet right back in the concrete, and they're paralyzed, and they don't move forward into what God has called them to be. And so what if becomes a stopping point for so many Christians? But you know what? We're no different. No different than the people in the Bible. Because when we look back through the Scripture, we see that, that they were just as uneasy and asked what if questions as well. All right, we look back at Abraham's servant uh, when he was asked to, you know, I need you to go find a, a wife for Isaac. 
And what was his response? He said, well, what if the young woman refuses to come with me? Right? Or Joseph's brothers, you know, after they, they did what they did to him, and, and now Joseph is second in command, and, and they're facing him, and they say, well, well, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us? Right? Or, or Moses, when he was told to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and Moses asked God, he said, well, well what if they don't believe me? Right? So, so even these guys, even these, these guys that were just pillars of faith in the Bible, they asked what if questions. All of them wondered what would happen if circumstances went awry, just like we do. All right, so how do we deal with this question? How do we deal with this what if question that has plagued us from the very beginning? Right? We pray, right? Right? Because that, that's what the Bible says. Anything we ask in his name will be given. And, you know, we have not because we ask not. And, and the prayers of the righteous avail much. Right? And, and we grab hold of that. And so, we're, you know, we're going to pray. So we pray for discernment. We pray for direction and guidance and peace. But then you know what we do? Right? We start to wonder, well, well what if God doesn't answer my prayers? Right? So we're stuck in this vicious thought pattern. And we just, we just need to stop the insanity. You know what I mean? Because here's the reality, is that we all face a staggering array of what-ifs. And the uncomfortable truth is that what-ifs could happen, right? No one's free from tragedy or pain. There's no guarantees for an easy life for any of us, ever. But if you spend any time in church, right, you've heard sermons, you've heard, you've heard messages about how we need to live by faith. Right? See your circumstances through God's promises. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? And, and these, these messages are true and they're encouraging, but it's still tough to live it out. It's tough to live by faith. And, and so I believe that in order to begin to live according to our faith, we need to get rid of this what-if question. Right? We need to drop the baggage that we're carrying. So here's what I want to do today. This is part one of this interactive service. I want you to take that piece of paper and pen that you got, and I want you to write down the what-ifs that are on your mind right now. And I have some examples if you're having a hard time coming up with some. So what if I or anyone in my family, you know, contracts COVID-19? You know, what if one of us gets the coronavirus? All right, what if my business closes? What if I lose my income? What if my children die? What if I get sick? What if my spouse turns on me? What if my friends turn on me? What if the economy crashes? What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay the mortgage? What if I can't make the car payment? Again, these are just some examples just off the top of my head. I'm sure that you have what ifs that you're pondering right now as well. So write them down. And if you can get even just one, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. It's enough for what we're doing today. All right. So hopefully by now you've got at least one what-if question written down. So are you ready to be free of apprehension and fear and worry? And I hope so. So if you have your Bibles, open it to Daniel 3. And uh, if you have it on your phone, just turn to your app or whatever. Daniel 3 is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. So let me give you a little background while you're turning there. So the Babylonians came in and besieged Jerusalem, okay, which is probably the worst thing that could have happened at that time. And Daniel and his buddies were taken captive uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. He was the, the Babylonian king who came in and, and besieged the city. 
And so everything that these guys knew is gone now, right? Just all that's ahead of them is unknown. All they have in front of them is a life of uncertainty. But because they were, they were good candidates, these guys were, they were healthy, they were young, they were strong. Um, they were good candidates to be placed into this three-year training program for royal service. And you know that they had some what-if questions at that time. Like, well, well, what if I can't learn the Babylonian language? Right, well, what if I don't make it through this three-year training program? So anyway, so they're living there. Three years goes by. They, they actually move into royal service. And then Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he starts calling on his, his wise men to interpret the dream because it really bothered him. And nobody could figure it out. And so um, basically, you know, Daniel goes in and he says, all right, well, you know, God's going to interpret this dream. So, so let me do it. And here's it, despite all these uncertainties, and I, this is what I want you to see in that little story, is that, that Daniel and his buddies had such faith in the Lord. They knew that he was with them. and They, they knew that everywhere they had been and, and everything that had happened in their life, they knew that the Lord was with them. They had seen him come through time and time again. They had seen him at work in their lives. And so they had faith. And so anyway, so... Daniel interpreted the dream, and then um, Daniel and his three buddies, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they, they all went into higher positions in Babylonia. So they were, they were honored to move into these positions. But then Nebuchadnezzar made this gold statue and demanded that everybody worship his gods and this gold statue. Which, again, brings up another what-if question that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had. They had to answer this question because they weren't going to do that. And so the what-if is, well, what if we don't? What if we don't worship the statue? What if we don't worship your gods? Right? What if when everybody bows down to worship you and your gods and your statue, we stand and say, no, we're not going to do that? So they knew this consequence uh, of not doing this. They knew the answer to the what if was being thrown into this blazing furnace. And, and this was, this is the end, right? They knew this was a life or death kind of what if question. So the biggest what if situation, because they were not guaranteed deliverance at this point in time. So, so, but here's the thing with these guys. They had a different perspective than most of us would have, right? These guys didn't see light the same way that we did. And their perspective was not on the things of this world and certainly not on the things of Nebuchadnezzar. Their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength was fixed on God. And because their eyes were fixed on Him, because their lives were lived for His glory, they weren't asking what-if questions. And here's where this message comes together today. Remember, the goal today is to be free from the, you know, the, the paralysis of what-if. To be free from worry and, and fear and and really to move forward and, and, and go where God is calling us to go, right? So, here we go. So when Nebuchadnezzar found out that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were not worshiping his statue, worshiping his gods, what happened? So let's pick it up in Daniel 3.13. All right. It says here, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. 
But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? So here it is. This is gut check time for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Right? They are faced with the ultimate decision with the ultimate consequence. And they could have folded. They could have thrown in their cards. They, they, they could have saved their own skins. But instead, they offered the ultimate fearless response to a what-if question. They offered a true declaration of faith. So let's pick it up in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Can you, can you hear the defiance in their voices? Right, can you hear the declaration of faith in, in the words that they say? And what we see in this response is that those three men face the fire without fear because they believe more in the saving power of God than the destructive power of the blazing furnace. And because of their perspective, they responded to this what-if situation with absolute faith. Right? What if the worst happens? What if we're thrown into the blazing furnace? Our God will save us. But they didn't stop there. Right? They didn't just respond to the what-if with faith. But in their response, they demonstrated why they could stand so fearlessly in the face of the fire. <coughs> Sorry. And here it is. This is in verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Did you catch it? Even if. Those two simple words take the fear out of any circumstance that you may face in life. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. It doesn't matter what uncertainties lie ahead of us. And it doesn't matter what fire we're facing. When we stand and declare, even if the worst happens, fear disappears. Because in those two words, we precisely state where we place our trust, our faith, and our hope. Just like, just like David declared in Psalm 27, where he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Even if I am attacked, even if the worst happens, <coughs> I will remain confident in my God. Hold up. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Check out Romans 8.35. I love this. Right. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. Did you hear that? So what if? What if we have trouble? What if we're persecuted? What if we're hungry? What if we're destitute? What if we're threatened with death? These are the what if questions that we often ask ourselves. But let's change it up. Let's change up our what if perspective to an even if perspective. And let's read that verse again. All right? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Even if we have trouble. 
even if we're persecuted, even if we are hungry, even if we are destitute, even if we are threatened by death, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. And why? Because I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We see over and over again that fear disappears when we have an even-if perspective. Replacing what-if with even-if is one of the most liberating exchanges we can make in our lives. Because what we do is trade our irrational fears of an uncertain future for the loving assurance of an unchanging God. So here's part two of our interactive service today. I want you to look at that what-if question or questions that you wrote down on that piece of paper, and I want you to rewrite them. And I want you to take out the what-if and replace it with even-if. Let me go back to my questions that I had you guys. So what if my children die? What if I get sick? What if my spouse turns me? That, that list. Even if my children die. Even if I get sick. Even if my spouse turns on me. Even if my friends turn on me. Even if the economy crashes. Even if I lose my job. Even if I can't pay the mortgage. Even if I can't make the car payment. Whatever your what if is, change it to even if. So how do we attain this perspective? How do we get to that place where we can say, even if? We get to that even if mentality when we realize in our heart that God is enough. The greatest lesson that we have to learn is the fact that God and God alone is enough for us. That He is sufficient. That He is all that we need. And this is the lesson that that all of his dealings with us are meant to teach, right? Whether those dealings are, you know, it's a miraculous healing or, you know, an unexplainable provision or even a terrible tragedy. The crowning discovery of our whole Christian life is that God is enough. And when we come to this realization that all we are and that all we need is found only in him, we can stand boldly and declare, even if, God doesn't heal me. My hope is still in Him. Even if God doesn't answer my prayer, my trust is still in Him. And even if I lose it all like Job, my faith is still in Him. Because my God is enough. Because His grace is sufficient. And because He is all that I need. And I know that nothing can separate me from God's love that is found in Christ Jesus. So here's part three of our interactive service. At the end of your even if statement, I want you to write, because God is enough. So where are we today? What does your situation look like today? It may be the best of times where, you know, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and Daniel, that, that, you know, they were living the life 
in the royal service in a high position in, in Babylonia, or Babylon, God, Babylonia. Or it could be the worst of times where you're, you're, you're facing the flames in the furnace. Or maybe you're somewhere in between and you're just feeling uneasy or worried because you're thinking, well, what if? And, and our, our culture is, is all about that. Our culture is all about this what if. And so you may be having a hard time coming to that even if. Right? It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing entirely to live it out. But my hope is that this word, like it, it just it stirs in your heart. It stirs in your heart and you say, you know what? You're right. God is enough. He is absolutely enough for me. And so even if the worst happens, I'm good because God is enough. You know, and you may be thinking that, man, this is a good word, Sean. I, you know, I, I want to own this. I want it to stick in my heart. I, I want to I allow this to, to change my life and change the way that I see things. But it, it's a process sometimes. Sometimes you got to wrestle with it. You know, like when Jacob was wrestling with God, like, you know, and he says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. <clears throat> you know, we may have to wrestle with this word a little bit because although I can speak it to you, you know, to actually own it is something that, that takes time for some of us. And owning God's word and his promises in your life is, you know, it, it is a process. And we can read it in scripture. Um, and, that, and that's one way to do it. But it's important that you declare God's promises in your life. This is how we, we wrestle as we look at Scripture and we read it, but, but not just reading it to read it like you'd read a book, but, but turn it around so that those promises are for you and you declare them personally over your life. And there is no better promise um, for today's times than Psalm 91. And so I encourage you just to just mark that down. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it the way that I want you to read it over your life, where I want you to declare it and own this promise. And here it is. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. For He will rescue me from every trap and protect me from, de from deadly disease. He will cover me with His feathers. He will shelter me with His wings. His faithful promises are my armor and protection. I will not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. I will not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at my side, though ten thousand are dying around me, these evils will not touch me. I can open my eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If I make the Lord my refuge, if I make the Most High my shelter, no evil will conquer me. No plague will come near my house, for He will order His angels to protect me wherever I go. They will hold me up with their hands 
so I won't even hurt my foot on a stone. And I will trample upon lions and cobras. I will crush the fierce lions and serpents under my feet. And why can I declare this over my life? Why can I own this word? It's because the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. So friends, no matter your situation today, know that this promise is for you. It is for today. It is for this time. So live your life with an even if mindset. Own God's promises of honor and long life and salvation. And watch as God reveals his goodness, his favor, and his glory in your life. Amen.